Listener supported. WNYC Studios. We have a policy on the Master of Americans that we wouldn't, we don't explain like food things to people. I'm never going to tell you what kimchi is because if you don't know what kimchi is, that's really your problem. And (laughs) also, you can Google it. Um, And so we feel very, very strongly about that. That's producer and co-host Rebecca Lair explaining what she calls the explanatory comma and why her team doesn't use it. In this conversation, three producers discuss how re-centering conversations isn't just about shining a spotlight on voices that are often marginalized. It's also about letting those voices tell their own stories in their own way. I'm Tanzina Vega, and this is Work It! The Podcast, a compilation of some of the best moments from the live event. Hello. Uh, My daughter's in preschool, but I will not use preschool quieting tactics. Um, Hi, my name's Rebecca Lair, and I am the co-founder of the Mashup Americans and the co-head of podcasts at Hello Sunshine. My other co in those things is right there, so uh, she'll tell you a little bit about herself. Um, I just wanted to introduce you to our panel today. Um, uh, Blair is not here because, you know, schedules, but we are here. Um, And we're just talking about that, we're not talking about diversity, but we're talking about telling our stories, us at the center, not relative to anybody else, but relative to ourselves. Um, So that is it, and we do that in a bunch of different ways in all of the stuff that we are producing. Um, So I'm gonna start with my mashup. Um, My name's Rebecca Lair. I'm a Salvadoran Jewish American. I'm a mom. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a, I guess I'm a podcast producer. And I want to start making podcasts in Spanglish. Um, this is TK Dutes. Hi. Um, and my mashup is I am a woman, Haitian, born in America, um, avid non-code switcher <laughs> as much as possible. And uh, I love making podcasts for anybody, but especially for people of color. <laughs> Hi, I am Amy Choi. I am um, Rebecca's, the other half of her brain. Um, I am a first-generation Korean-American married to a Colombian-Mexican-American. I got two mashy babies, and I am a podcast producer. That feels weird to say still. Uh, journalist, editor, and I like making and sharing stories. Um, Okay, so we love seeing your faces and so many people that we love are here. And I think we wanted to talk first about the idea of taking ownership of our stories. You know, how do we share our stories without exploiting ourselves? And I I think one of the things I wanted to throw to Amy on is the idea of like how we think about addressing hard issues in this for us, by us, we'll call it FUBU for the rest of the, (laughs) for all of you guys, but for in our, in this sort of idea of what we are producing and the way that we're thinking about uh, content that is recentered on our experiences. H- how do you, how do you sort of think about you know how do we deal with hard things without exposing ourselves too much? Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on um, particularly women, women of color, anybody from a marginalized community, to somehow exploit all the hard things in your life because it makes for a good story for a mainstream audience. And we are just not here for that. I think the importance that 
we place on being um, honest and truthful about what is challenging in uh, working in mainstream media, in trying to get our stories heard, um, is that often we just want to share our stories. And I think it's not to pick ourselves apart for an audience or to somehow justify our existence or <laughs> yeah. justify our story or defend who we are. We are simply stating and putting like a stake in the ground. We're here and these are stories worth listening to. Yeah. I mean, is there something that you found, TK, like in terms of responses to your work? It, uh, actually, let's step back a second. Can you tell us a little bit about the breadth of things that you do? Because yeah. you're telling a lot of amazing stories with you and us at the center, and I'd love for you to share it. Yeah. Um, so currently, um, well, I started at WBAI, so that's like people-powered social justice radio. So that kind of never left me. And then from there, did my um, have been doing my own morning show, which is three times a week. And it's very specific in that, like, sure, we're talking about current events, but more than talking about current events, we're having social commentary. And when I say like non-code switching, a lot of times I just don't on yeah, there right. because mm -hmm. when you make a thing that is yours you I talk like on there I talk like I talk to my friends and all the listeners are my friends and they I don't I don't do extra work I don't explain people through it um it's you can you hear me Right. It's I said what I said, you know. So that's what I do on that in the morning show. It's called TK in the AM, and then um, I produce other podcasts for folks. So I've worked on um, Third Rail, which is a Brooklyn Movement Center podcast about gentrification and living um, in Brooklyn, in Central Brooklyn, as a person of color. So that's very specific in telling the story of being a black person affected by gentrification in Central Brooklyn. So that's like recentering several stories in one and then um, I recently worked on the Curvy Cons podcast which is hosted by two women of color and it's about being curvy it's about being plus size and I'm a as we by the way both sat down and we're like our pants are yeah. too tight <laughs> we had chairs. a curvy con moment <laughs> but they're doing they're having a fubu conversation yeah and my role as a person that is not plus size um, is to let them like to let them express themselves and talk to the curvy crowd. Mm. I'm not making them talk to skinny people and understand what being um, a big girl is like. I'm not making them talk to um, white people to make them understand what being a fat black girl is like. I'm not mm -hmm. doing any of that. My job as a producer is to make sure they tell the story of being curvy girls in black skin and what does that sound like in, so, in their voices. I'd love to just take a pause or just mm -hmm. in, for one thing is, wow, this got like so much less bright, which is nice <laughs> for my very terrible eyes, um, is this idea of the explanatory comma. And I mm -hmm. think that's something we think a lot about at the Mashup Americans and in a lot of the work we're doing at Hello Sunshine is like, again, who's your audience and like, do you ha what do you have to explain to them so that they get it and what can you just assume that they'll figure out? Yeah or that they already know because it's made for them. So we have a policy on the Master of Americans that we, wouldn't, we don't explain like food things to people. I'm never gonna tell you what kimchi is because if you don't know what kimchi is, that's really your problem. And right. also, you can Google it. Um, and so we feel very, very strongly about that. And when there was a great conversation on Code Switch several years about this, ago about this, but they produce on NPR, right? And that's, a lot of that goes on a Morning Edition or 
or you know, all things considered, that's a different audience that might need an explanation. We're not producing for that audience. We're producing for ourselves. You're welcome in, listen in, right. but we're not producing this for you. We're not going to explain it. Now, when we produce with uh, our show How It Is, which is a storytelling show, one of the things on that is that we allow everybody to identify themselves. So that's a really, really important thing. So if you, you know, like, uh, you know, as an example is we had this extraordinary writer, Kayla Whaley, tell a story about her Me Too experiences as a disabled woman and feeling alienated from the entire um, movement, uh, frankly. And she tells a story, but we don't have our host identify her any of her hyphens, or her disability, her as a writer, we just say, this is Kayla Whaley, and then Kayla tells her own story and how mm -hmm. she defines herself. Now, in, in, I can't speak to the disabled community, but I know that there's a conversation about, am I a disabled person or am I a person with disability? That's for Kayla to say, not for me to impose on her how she defines herself. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, really important part of how we see centering our stories on ourselves and on the people that we're kind of giving platform to, which is part of what we see our opportunity to do, which I think yeah. you're saying about like the curvy girls, like you, you may not exactly be that, but you know you can elevate yeah. their stories and help them get it out to the world exactly as they want to tell it. Yeah, and um, like to that, you know, the explainer thing or to even like the identifying um, thing is like, so at Thirst Aid Kit, where I'm currently at now, um, which is a BuzzFeed podcast, the, you know, I could put some shady thing in there about BuzzFeed, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and That's an that, explanatory comma. Um, <laughs> BuzzFeed, a company. Comma. Yep. Uh -huh. Well, a lot of times um, fans that are listeners of the show of Thirst Aid Kit will be like, well, why don't you have more queer people on, right? And we do. And the thing is, their name is... Uh, their name is Jamie or John, and we go, welcome, our friend Jamie or John, the writer at, and if they don't identify themselves, you know, like, we don't have to, it's up to them, too. Right. Like, how do you feel when someone goes, oh, hey, Sally, a uh, writer at Vulture, also gay person? Like, the <laughs> fuck? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. You know, so, like, Wait, don't go TK, or resident black. Like, no, that's how y'all sound. So, yeah. yeah, don't do that. I think the other thing, I mean, thank you, TK, my black <laughs> Haitian friend. Right, see? Um, I love it, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's because I think the other point of this, too, is that when we talk about making stories for ourselves and we celebrate those identities as it is awesome yeah. that you are black and Haitian and that you are here and you are telling your story, not like... This is TK, and also she's this thing, and we're yeah. gonna keep that. Somehow it's fundamental sort of to yeah, who it's, you are and how you see the world and how you tell stories. And I think we always are asking ourselves the question: um, How do we get more people invited to the party? Who is in the room? And when we say we, who is we? Yeah. When we say they, who is they? Because if if somehow we can't, um, a if we're not honest about that. And, and like really do some interrogating in our own uh, creative minds and our own producing minds about um, who we want, suddenly somehow everything that Rebecca and I do ends up uh, Latina and Korean. Right. It's, There's a like, sometimes I'm like, uh, we're the only place that has too many Koreans on their podcast. Oh, right. <laughs> like, it's but like, it's we're easy, like we don't, yeah. <laughs> even for us, when this is like what we do all day long, to fall into, um, 
I don't know, a, a tunnel, a cave, something, where we're only seeing things through our lens. Yeah. So it has to be very intentional. So we ask ourselves, again, all the time, who is the we, who is the them? Who is inside the room and who is not? Yeah. We had um, Soledad O'Brien on our podcast last year, and if you, you should just please follow her on social media because she is so into throwing shade these days and it's like I'm really living for her Instagramming her own tweets but if that's another thing we can talk as like a protocol whether that's okay but I don't Twitter so it's good for me so one of the things she talked about what a lot of things is this idea of when she was making Latino Latin and I think I talked this about this a little last year as well but when she was making Latinos in America I believe that's what it's called but um you know, people in the room kept being like, well, they like, and they like, and they, and she was like, they is me. Like, no, and we don't. You know, like, look around and understand it. And the other piece that she talked about, which completely changed everything for me, and it's part of this identifier piece, is how you set people up um, really, really matters. Like, uh, deficit framing is what she talked about. Um, this idea of, like, uh, the way you talk about, well, she struggled through these things and then made it here, oh that you would talk about very differently, if you're honest, when you're talking about a young black woman than if you were talking about a young white man, even if the storyline without that would be very similar. And I think it's a really critical opportunity we have with, as people with platforms, as people who are storytellers, as people who get to elevate other people's stories, to remember that, like, wait, are we, why are why are we including that information? Yeah. What, what are we trying to get from it? What are we trying to elicit from our audience without kind of um, pandering or yeah, like yeah. minimizing it? And I mean, low key, we, we as, you know, we as marginalized people, um, people of different um, cultures, ethnicities, genders, and gender identities, we tend to sometimes, low key, we buy into that too, yeah. right? Like we deficit frame ourselves. We learn early that we can get rewards from the dominant culture. Like if you look at writing your college essay, right? Mm -hmm. If I write about my downtrodden, you know, <laughs> and I became a basketball star and look at me now, you know that Were that's you a school. basketball star? No. Okay. Uh, and child, we're not going to talk about that time in my life. Um, <laughs> but you know, like we learn early that if I tell this story about how downtrodden I am and that the dominant culture, and let's, let's go ahead and like, we just have to name it because we're out here, the dominant culture Generally, we're talking about white culture, right? Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, you know, so when you're in the room, ask yourself whether you're, if you're able-bodied in a room full of disabled people and you're talking a certain way, am I part of the dominant culture, right? right? Yes, as an able-bodied person. Right. If, you know, so just think about these things. So we tend to put ourselves in deficit framing as well, and we don't recognize when we're doing it, and we don't recognize when we're perpetuating that story right. inside of our own stories. Right. Well, that's, that's the that's idea of the kind of the Bechdel test too, right? Like we're talking to each other not relative to about men, we're talking to each other about something else. And I think that's what we know we're doing in our real lives. But wait, just as a side note, I just want to talk about what Thirst Aid Kit does, speaking of talking about men, um, is I- Guys, it's my favorite podcast. Yeah, it's, it's our so favorite. Much. If you haven't heard the Jenny, the one about um, To All the Boys I Loved Before, <laughs> just imagine me walking down the street, fully blushing and screaming when they kept like putting Peter Kavinsky's voice on. So um, I think one of the things that you do beautifully on that show is really recenter women's sexuality. Mm -hmm. And it's not relative to 
anything else. It's not relative to men's sexuality or being attractive to somebody yeah. else. I'd love to hear a little bit about the kind of origin of that and how you see it as you're kind of making it. So I'd like to just start off by just saying it's a, definitely a group effort yeah. and something that started way before I got there. Yeah. Um, shout out to Julia and the team. Like we all, and then that's also testament to coming into a workplace where certain conversations didn't have to be had, right? right? Mm -hmm. We didn't have to have the conversation of, oh man, we, it's too many white guys. We're talking <laughs> about too many white guys. Sometimes it's just like, yo, look, let's look at the roster. It's, we're not paying attention to a certain group we right. need to pay attention like certain conversations like it's in workplaces you have to force them like well you know we we might have had too many white guys on here nope <laughs> at buzzfeed or when we were the pod squad in full we just were like oh yo this is real let's time it's time to talk about other people now yeah. you know so the, at thirst aid kit um recentering the story of women's lust or um, and, and it's a very openly, like, the two hosts, shout out to Bim and Nicole, they are two cisgender heterosexual women. And they let you know that up front, and they let you know that they can't speak for any other category, but they will invite other people to come speak on it themselves. And that's how we recenter those populations so that they, too, can have a good time listening to the show. And also, b being that we don't, you know, like, we're not going to say, oh, gay writer, blah, blah, blah. That person gets to come on and thirst for whoever. Mm -hmm. And we've had situations where, you know, yeah, the person is queer, um, and guess what? They thirsted for someone opposite gender. And so you wouldn't even know it. Right. That's the thing. So letting people be, letting people have their thirst and lust, and also letting them... Um, express that and not interfering with it is part of also like recentering the story. It also feels particularly subversive, I think, um, to let women, <laughs> to not let because we're recentering this, but to just be sexual and own that, which is the reality of at least how my friends talk about these things, which is like, and to hear them be like, oh gosh, we did Google how old he is to make sure it was appropriate. Like, yeah. it was, it was, I felt, I felt so, con it, was, it was a perfect example of how the intimacy of audio and the reflection of your own experience, but by two people who are, who have thought through it and have also, uh, are incredibly, um, just like they can put it into a context mm -hmm. it's like how powerful that can be yeah and not and not like too intellectualized but they're also so smart yeah so then it's a, it's like it's it's just a wonderful combo there's a lot of levels of like vetting and like is this appropriate and who are we talking about and who are we talking to before a person gets to even be like considered a th what we call a thirst object on the show. Like sometimes I'll suggest someone and they'll be like, Google them problematic, you know? <laughs> but and, th and that's it. You guys, another one to recommend is the Hollywood Chris's. That's a really great oh, yeah, um, thing to one. dive into there. Um, I, I think one of the things I still wanted to get to in this sort of section of the conversation is like responses from other people about our work. And I think, Amy, you know, some of the kind of, uh, ways that we've had to push back on, um, you know what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, sometimes uh, white people don't get it. Yeah. And that includes our white distributors and our white networks and our white bosses, and sometimes they don't. And um, <laughs> my internal response is always, 
I don't fucking care. But the better response is, I think, to understand that for us, while we are not in the business of explaining ourselves and we are not in the business of defending our stories or defending the import of our stories ever, we are also not in the business of shaming people for not getting it. So I think what we always try to do is to make sure that as creators across the board, what we're making is excellent. And so we can always stand on that and on the quality of the work that we're doing, knowing that sometimes it has to be twice as good. That said, I think a lot of the response we get is to add more explanatory commas, which is a lot of like, well, when you say, you know, uh, I don't, I can't even think of it. Or it'll be like, why don't you have that white per other point of view? And we're like, what? There's a lot of radio out there. With yeah. Other also, of like, there's no white people and crazy rich Asians, and that's a really good ass movie. <laughs> right. um, so. But I think you know. that 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 is one core response that I think we when we are producing original work for the Mashup Americans that we sometimes butt up against and um, now that we are independent have a lot more freedom and we have found that our audience really resonates with that. Um, and then I think when we are putting our producing hats on for um, Hello Sunshine and for um, our other partners, often there's a thought that uh, it's easy. Right, that like that getting a really um, diverse roster of ta talent is easy, or that getting a you know somebody that checks all these boxes for them is easy, and we're saying it's not. And when you hand us a list saying you want us to make a mashy show for you, and all of your suggested ideas are all white straight men, you also have to do some work, and and or we're going to push you to do the work because that's why it's somewhere in your heart you know you want something different. Yeah. You just don't know how to get there. Right. And so we can't, we're, we try, <laughs> try not to scream in our heads too much. Sometimes it happens. But I think that's, those are often the two larger, I think, challenges that we get to our work. And I think one of the exciting things about the work, say, at Hello Sunshine, which is women-centered, is that we get to apply our mashup lens there. So it's like a very intentional casting and a broad definition of womanhood, too. And that is a very, very, it's like, uh, it's very important to us and to the company that we're doing that work. Um, you know, I think I want to hear, TK, a little bit about kind of the audience and the audience love and how, oh how the kind of feedback you get, particularly on Thursday Aid Kit, but yeah. on, I, I'm sure on the other shows as well, which are so specific. Yeah, and I mean, and to your, and to your point, Amy, about like having to um, make other people understand this thing, right? So like we at Thursday Aid Kit bring receipts everywhere we go. Um, <laughs> you know, screenshots, emails, um, voicemails. So our listenership is very active in that. And child, they send us stuff. Um, one lady said she fell off her treadmill listening to it. Um, <laughs> you know, then you get folks that are emotionally, they have an emotional response. And you just thought you were making a fun show about lusting out loud in pop culture. Mm -hmm. No, to, to some, you don't know who's listening. And yeah. when they write that, that's the receipts for me. So I, I might not be able to make you understand it from your dominant culture point of view, totally. but I can bring... I can bring you 10 emails right now or 150 tweets if you just use the hashtag right. that show people being affected. Like, 
one um in people our people write fan fiction. They write they write fan fiction. Like they like use their creative muscles because they listen to a thing. First of all, prompting people to do that is a big deal. Yeah. Right? And like we don't ask. They just send us stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm like, damn. And then, like, we just had a couple um, that they listened as a couple, and they asked if we would, uh, if the host would um, propose mutual, have a, give them a mutual proposal on, on the show. Mm-hmm. So we did that for the first anniversary episode. And so, like, that's the stuff that, okay, I might not be able to make you understand what, what female-driven or, um, you know, female-driven thirst looks like in pop culture, but I can make you understand that... Uh, ton of other people get it Mm -hmm. and these are your customers and these are the people you want to click on things so don't worry if you don't get it i'm bringing you a show that brings (laughs) mad numbers and that brings you clicks so chill yeah chill and i also think that one of the other pieces that rings true to me about that is that when people are authentic to their selves and their stories it resonates with a lot of people and i don't know about like dominant like in that case, like if, and I just don't care if white men <laughs> listen to Thirst Aid Kit, frankly, they should because they get a lot, they learn a they lot of tips, so and many tools. tips and tools. Tips and tools. Yeah. But what I think uh, it does happen that is that our shared, the shared pieces of our hyphens come through, right? That like, and that's what, where like the Mashup Americans started, right? Is that Amy and our, my hyphens are different hyphens, but we're both first gen American. We were marrying people from different backgrounds. We we're trying to figure out what that means, what's important to us. And we have totally different relationships to our families, but we're navigating things similarly, which I'm sure you are TK too, mm-hmm. as a first gen. And that shared thing allows us to kind of hone in on each other's specifics in a really amazing way and I think is gives like longevity and uh, to this kind of storytelling yeah and it makes me relate to all the because it's just done so well like I'm a lusty woman yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um well I think also you know when we first started mashup we were looking out into the world for something that reflected us and it didn't exist and so we took um, advice from the great Mindy Kaling and said, why not us? Like, yeah. why not? Why don't we do it? And I think one of the main problems, and we had both had long careers in media, which was that, like, here was the story, right? Here's, like, this big old vertical that takes up 89% of the air in the space, and that was the story. And then, like, here's a vertical that's the black story. Here's a vertical right. that's like the Spanish-speaking story, and then like maybe there was like a queer, maybe an Asian like there is back there. No. There was not really any vertical. We were like, what? what? We have been trained also to believe that that like the the white dude story was the story. Yeah. When actually, if we cut across again and looked at like what what we were actually talking about we could get into our details yeah. and tell more universal um, have and have more tell more universal truths if we could actually like yeah get rid of the stupid I mean, verticals and the as as listeners real quick like i think listeners have to understand um, that they can ingest these stories right mm. like if i listen to your show and i'm following the thread of of culture or if I'm listening to a show that's hosted by like Jewish hosts talking about their grandma giving them chicken soup like I understand that as a grandma giving chicken soup not as a Jewish story and I think when listeners are coming to something they see x faces 
And they go, I don't, I can't relate to that. And I'm like, bro, yes, you can. I literally, like, I was born, I lived a life, and I, I'm going to die. And, like, if we all go from there, that's a general truth that in this room we all share. Yep. Right? We're all born, hey, high five. We all have that in common. We're all living some hard shit. Got that in common. And we're all going to die. So, like, yo, we friends. You can listen to my show. You know? I think that tr what also resonates to me about what you're saying there is it's like, I think a lot of us in storytelling space came from either journalism organizations or journalistic backgrounds. And I think that sometimes there's a sense of like faux neutrality that we feel like we have to have. And we don't have to have that because our whole selves and our experiences inform the way we see the world and make um, for more valuable stories and are incredibly, like they will and are making the world better. Um, and like as we said earlier, we're not counterculture, we are the culture, so we're here, we're telling our stories and we're like really excited for everybody else to catch up. Um, but I think, you know, that's how I'd like to end. I think anything else you want to share about, you know, before we wrap up, I'm like impressed. Look at that. Yeah, look at us on time. countdown, yeah. Right. Um, that you guys want to share. To see I anything. literally thought that that was the actual time in the time. Not. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're very tired. Um, but I think we're, yeah. we're, yeah, I think that's where we wanted to sort of end up, which is that we're, there can be joy in telling our stories and standing the truth for things that matter and defining our own path is not about mm -hmm. diversity, it's about truth. And I would say like, if you're sharing, like if you're a, a listener of one type of podcast or a type of book or whatever it is, your, your media, right? And it comes from a different culture than yours or you wanna suggest it to a friend that's not of your culture, suggest it. As my host of, one of my co-hosts of Thursday Kit says, Say it with your whole chest. Yeah. Suggest it openly, freely. Don't worry about if they'll be comfortable with it. Like, yo, if there's good content in there and value, that's all that counts. Say it with your whole chest. Don't be like, well, they're a librarian, and I don't know if they'll be into this raucous thing, but I find it fun. Don't explain that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Just share it. That's yeah. it. Share what you like. Like what you share. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, I would just say welcome. Come. Join us. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That was Rebecca Lehrer, Amy Choi, and Keisha Tikhani Dutess speaking at the 2018 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Event sponsors include Spotify, Captera, Stitcher, Art19, Pandora, Himalaya, and Yale School of Management.